Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs discuss some of their favorite peeves about crutch words. We follow that with a pod nugget on the same theme. There's also another of our beloved old doggerels, a celebration of the great jazz bassist Ron Carter, and an edition of Stump the Older Old Dog. The Old Dog's conversation is with Deirdre Vervo, a real estate specialist who has been pioneering a boutique approach to assisted living. Stay with us. Say, Paul, uh huh. what do you think is on your mind? Oh, it's something really heavy and serious. Oh, dear. We have a pod nugget uh, in this episode about clutch words. Yeah. You know, words and expressions that really don't advance what you're saying. They just kind of uh, fill a space. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Okay. And, and about three episodes ago, we also did a piece on cliches. And I tell you what it brings to mind is, do we really want to police these things in everyday conversation? Boy, I'd say that we would do that at our peril, Paul. Yes. <laughs> Especially when you're talking to your spouse. Well, yes. Do but, you know, not... if, you, if you want to have any kind of decent conversation and you're constantly interrupting them for saying things like, I mean. <laughs> As know, I was saying. <laughs> What are, what are the ones that you do you have? Like you oh, feel a space. like I said. Where was I? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's an old guy's. Yeah. Nobody says that <laughs> yeah, anymore. Where was, where was I? I? What do you mean? I use it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I'm an old guy. Never yep, mind. Yep. 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 Pass yep. on that. That's uh, a good one too. Yep. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, you're you're right. It would be I think at your own peril that you decided to jump in. When you feel that somebody is using too many crutch or cliche words. Yes, I tend to agree because especially communication is the point of a conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not meant to be artful or clean or um, well thought out. But, uh, you know, when I'm watching uh, television programs that I enjoy watching, I indulge in checking the the, uh, dialogue for that sort of thing, those cliches and crutch words and phrases yeah, that yeah. I thought, why did the writer do that? Now, I know that in some cases, they're just trying to reflect the natural flow of conversation. In some cases, it's bad writing, yes. Yeah, so do you not, agree or, or not? Agree about what? About no, I, the writing that, uh, that perhaps needs to be a bit more uh, considered, maybe a little bit more consciously written. Yes, I'm afraid there's a lot of programming needed these days, and uh, uh, the writers that they're getting are not necessarily products of, let's say, the the Iowa Graduate School. Uh, so anyway, I, I do, although I do confess that there are some clutch words, and my the one that really makes my teeth itch is the word like. Mm-hmm. I- because it is mm-hmm. so overused. Like 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 I was saying, like as you know, like and um I would really like to see that uh, taken out of the English language. I'm not sure how you do that, but uh, Well you could blow a whistle every time somebody says like. For example, Paul, when I say Paul, I like you. 
That's a boy. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would do it. It'd get your attention anyway, which is pretty hard to do. <laughs> we all have a problem with crutch words, useless filler words like, you know, well, actually. This pod nugget is from the wordgenius.com website. Let's look at some of this pointless prose, like, like. Like is way overused. Sometimes it means as, sometimes it means similar to, and often it means as if. In fact, a lot of people use it to mean he said. The word is ubiquitous, imprecise, and irritating. Give it a rest. At one point, the word seriously meant that words following it had import. Now the word has become more of an ironic put-down, as in... You can't really mean what you just said. (laughs) Well has become a word dripping with resignation. The word well, delivered with a sigh, means that you really don't want to do what you are about to promise to do. And now we come to the four horsemen of crutch words. Actually, literally, basically, and honestly. All four seem to imply that the statement to follow is the truth and nothing but the truth. I think I would prefer a lie detector. Yeah, me too. Well, these are the main offenders, according to Word Genius, but the list is not comprehensive. We just need to be more thoughtful about our language. Like, actually, silence is better than a crutch word. Honestly. Well, we have another entry in our ever-expanding lexicon of senior language that we call Old Doggerel. For this installment, we reach out to a retailer called Hayband, a clothing website that seems to be targeting seniors. Their clothing is cheap and frequently on sale. Now, that's a plus, but it also appears to be ill-fitting and on the large side with excess fabric where it doesn't seem to be needed. This appears to be true of both the women's and men's offerings. Now, granted we aren't good judges of men's fashion. In fact, we are fashion senseless. Guilty. But even we can spot a trend toward unflattering clothing. I mean, if they did a fashion police lineup and you had to pick the hay band man, it would be easy. It's a guy that looks homeless. Also, the pants are often termed comfort pants, <laughs> which means variations on elastic waists. The shirts tend toward flannel and westernish shirts with snaps. All seems to be more suitable for smuggling than dress up. <laughs> okay, this is becoming mean spirited. Go to the Hayband website and judge for yourself. Meanwhile, we're adding this old doggerel phrase, the Hayband of Brothers, to our senior dictionary. This is the legion of men who stocked up on Hayband clothes because they looked comfortable. We feel for you, brother. Yeah, amen. Hayband. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, Ron Carter is the most recorded jazz bassist in human history, adding bass licks in over 2,000 records. And he's still performing at the age of 85. This pod nugget is from NPR.org for May 4th, 2022. Carter started playing the cello at the age of 10, but switched to the bass in high school because that instrument offered better opportunities for a black musician. By the time he was 25, he was a sought-after sideman in the jazz world. His most historic recordings came in the 60s, when he played bass in the Miles Davis Quintet. The group included Miles Davis on trumpet, George Coleman, and then Wayne Shorter on sax, Herbie Hancock on piano, 
and Tony Williams on drums. He said the band never rehearsed before recording, relying on their improvisational skills and group chemistry. When Miles Davis transitioned from acoustic to electric in the late 60s, Carter refused to trade his upright bass for an electric. The parting wasn't personal, it was artistic. As Carter described it, I got my hat and got in the wind. For his 85th birthday, Carter had a concert at Carnegie Hall on May 10th, featuring three different bands performing highlights from his career. The concert ended with Carter playing a solo alone on stage. He played You Are My Sunshine, interweaving the melody with swinging harmonics and funky blues intervals. It was a fitting end to the tribute. Reflecting on his long and successful career, Carter said, Age has not made me think slower. And it's not made me refuse gigs. What it's made me do is be thankful I got this far playing an instrument with four strings. A tip of the hat to Ron Carter for still howling at the moon. Now it's time for a feature that's very popular with the youngest old dog, which would be me. It's called Stump the Oldest Old Dog, which would be Jim. Oh, no. Our contest today features trivia about Antarctica. Of course, I One know. One of your favorite I subjects. I am all about Antarctica. It's all yes, true sir. or false. You okay. get a 50% chance. Okay, it's false. The first question, Antarctica is the world's largest desert. Yes, that's true. Oh, very good. It qualifies <laughs> as a desert because it receives less than 10 inches of precipitation per year. And I know that. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and it's larger than any other desert. Hmm. Another true-false. Okay. Antarctica is the highest continent. Oh, geez. Highest. You mean like it smokes weed? Mm-hmm. That sort of thing? Mm-hmm. I would have to say yes. That's true. It is true. The average <laughs> elevation is 82,000 feet. You're getting lucky today. True or false, the official time zone for Antarctica is Greenwich Mean Time. Oh, yeah, that's true. False. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. There is no official time zone in Antarctica. Each outpost can choose the time they prefer. Next question. Antarctica is slightly smaller than the U.S. True or false? Uh, can I call a friend? <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's a penguin. <laughs> I'm going to say false. You're right. It is the largest continent, one and a half times the size of the U.S. Next question. Antarctica is the coldest continent, but it has a lake that never freezes. True or false? Oh, that's got to be true. Why? Well, because you said it. (laughs) You're, You're guessing now. It is true. It's called Deep Lake. <laughs> Real creative there. It's so salty yeah. that it never freezes. Yeah, that would be my, my assumption. Yes. Okay, last question. Let's get out of this okay. one with some All kind right. of style. Antarctica is considered a protectorate of the Netherlands since the Dutch were the first to discover the continent. True or false? This is called dead air time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say False. It is. It's it's false. The continent belongs to no country. So what did I win, Bob? <laughs> uh, your self-respect. You got you got them all right, but, but one. one. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was just, robbed. And you need to do more studying. After leaving her successful career as an advertising executive and agency owner, Deirdre Vervo became a full-time real estate investor and entrepreneur. 
Her passion for seniors led her to open Just Like Home, LLC, a company that specializes in boutique senior-assisted living residences. Deirdre teaches workshops to help seniors and their families create a housing roadmap to honor seniors' wishes, roadmap to honor seniors' wishes, and prepare for elder care. She's the author of Home to Home, the step-by-step senior housing guide. Well, I got a big question coming up. You are a woman of many careers. Uh, apparently, you started out in the advertising business. Is that right? Sure. I owned an ad agency. Oh, my gosh. I started young. I started everything young. I think I um, I was married at 21 and owned my own ad agency at 22. Also bought a house at 22, started investing at 23. And I don't know, start everything young. So we had a print advertising agency for uh, maybe 17, 18 years. Hmm. That was quite a transition then from uh, from that to real estate, right? Um, well, you know what? Whenever we had money, we bought property. I just bought property. I didn't know a lot about it. I was a great, great for a realtor because I bought a full price. I didn't negotiate. I just like, this is nice. And I would buy property with the money because I'm like, didn't need jewelry or, you know, we had a nice house. And besides going on vacations, we just, I invested in property. Didn't really know much about it, but did really well. And then um, when life changed, we had an ad, ad agency, but my a former husband was also a creative genius and had 19 patents to his name, but he just loved to create and didn't care about making money. So he created and created and created and didn't earn any money. So I put us gravely into debt and uh, had to kind of reinvent myself. So decided, uh, you know, I wanted to go into real estate full time. And now I need to figure it out because I just, you know, now I had no money, no credit and needed to figure out what I was doing. And you decided at, at least at some point that you wanted to uh, specialize in a certain type of real estate that's called short selling well so what happened is right place right time when i started in the business the market was super high and just dropped and so i took a class and everything having you know my my major in college is advertising marketing not real estate so i had to learn everything i could about real estate so i went to class after class i took every three-day class and i took a um three-day class in florida about short sales formulated business plan on my way home on the plane and started the minute I stepped back into Connecticut and just right place, right time that the market crashed and everybody needed a short sale and people didn't know what to do. And here I was. So I became like the short sale queen. I was doing a hundred short sales a year. I've done more than a thousand short sales. I um, hired a business coach because I wanted to do more than short sales. So I bought some residential homes and was flipping homes and was a landlord. And then I opened a business, uh, RIA, Real Estate Investor Association, part of the national RIA, and in here in Connecticut. And uh, joined, you know, like-minded people came together every month and talked about different topics in real estate, which I love. So I incorporated more real estate into what I was doing, do what I was doing full-time. And then I was teaching it. And one of my students became my partner, and he was my partner for 14 years. Um, and we flipped houses and and did wholesaling and did short sales and 
bought and held apartments and had 10 people with us um, doing it. And we just kind of switched a few years ago because I want, in our real estate investor association, our group wanted to hear about assisted living. And I didn't have a big interest because everybody I knew that was in assisted living, all my friends' parents, I, the places were gorgeous, but I didn't care for the care. And uh, I sussed out this group in Arizona, and they taught it like group home living. And my my brother is Down syndrome, and he lives in a group home near my parents in New York. And I loved it. I, I didn't know this was a concept for people with um, dementia or you know, assisted living needs, because in Connecticut, this is not a thing here. And it is a thing in Colorado and in California and Florida and Texas, but it's in New York, Connecticut area. We don't have this. So I was like, oh my gosh, my mother-in-law passed a, a from dementia. She had it for 10 years. She was in a hellacious place. It was horrible. And I just said, this is, this is now what I want to do. So I Flew out to a meeting, came back, bought a house, renovated it, opened during COVID. <laughs> Wasn't the easiest thing to do, but then it turned out to be the best thing because who wanted to have their mother or father in a big facility where everybody was dropping dead? Right. So right. it turned out to be like a blessing, even though it took me, you know, an extra six months to open due to COVID. Mm-hmm. It turned out to be quite a blessing. And now I have such a long waiting list that I I just bought a second home to do this with. And my goal, this is just speaks to my heart. So my goal is to open up like half a dozen of them. Uh, you describe Dogwood Home as a boutique home for seniors. It's a family. So it's six bedroom with, it's eight bedrooms. So there's two care, two caregivers with sleepovers. So it's but six residents, six bedrooms, six bathrooms. Um, so everybody has their own bathroom, but it's family style. So there is a, living room, a big den, you know, a dining room, and then they have their own bathrooms and bedrooms, big fenced in a big private backyard. Um, so we always know what your parent likes, wants, what they love to eat. We have happy hour, we do some cocktail, but we can do whatever you could do at home with your family. So it's very specialized. So it's a family style. So our caregivers eat with the family, they feed them, they make them their specialty. We're not waking people up to eat. You know, it's not like on a schedule. When they wake up, if they want scrambled eggs and bacon, they get that. If they want a muffin and some fruit, they get that. So whatever they want when they wake up, whenever they wake up. And then they eat lunch and dinner together. That sounds very, uh, very appealing. I think I'm going to sign up. Right uh, yeah, now. I was thinking, can we jump ahead of the line? <laughs> <laughs> Sleep as long as you want, eat yeah. when you wake up. That Man, sounds like my kind of lifestyle. I'll take it. Well, you know, obviously this is going against a trend in senior housing, which is warehousing, which is larger facilities. Are you getting some pushback from the industry? Oh, absolutely the opposite. Some of the big places near me have come by and said, oh, my God, this is like the best thing I always wanted to do, to do something like this. Mm. So no pushback. We have a long waiting list. Isn't there a particular dynamic when it's only six people? How do they get along? How do you know that just six people are going to be able to function together every day? It is amazing. It, they love each other. They care for each other. They wake up. 
And they come into the living room. They make themselves clock their tea. And they usually sit in the living room and wait for the others. <laughs> they just want to be together. Mm. And they help each other. You know, they all have memory care issues. So they, they help each other. One lady who's been there the whole year and a half, it's been open, asks every day, do you know where the bathroom is? <laughs> Two women get up and help her. It's lovely. And I'll tell you something that surprised me. I have not had a lot of experience with death. You know, my uh, my father passed, my in-laws, but I haven't had a lot of experience. And I thought this is going to be very traumatic when people die because, I'm, you know, you get attached to everybody. It's been the opposite. So it's been a different experience than I expected. It's, it's been beautiful because they're dying at home in a beautiful setting with people that love them. And their family can come and they're not going to a hospital or a nursing home. It's so nice. How do you see people who have reached a certain age living and functioning in a better way? Do you have a vision for that? Oh, I would love to see people live in smaller and in like home type environments because, you know, everybody does want to stay in their home. But even my mom was turning 85, was in a big home with, you know, three sets of stairs and, you know, my brother and I worry about her and she's driving and taking our classes and she's doing great. But I've said to my mom, I've taken my mom to see independent living places. I'm like, mom, you know, in case something happens, I want you to have your choice, like choose now for the future. You know, if you fall and break your hip or who knows what can happen, I want you to have chosen place. And I just, people are living so much longer. I have people in their nineties in my house. Like people are living so long. And we have to have some better care for them, more one-on-one, more loving care, leaving people in their home, in a big houses by themselves. It's tough. I think people should be living together just for the socialization. And at our home, I say to the caregivers, I have to retrain them because I say, listen, I want everybody doing as much as they can. I know it's easier for you to set the table, but have them set the table. Even if you have to sit there and say, put the napkin here, put the napkin here, put the napkin here, put the napkin here. doesn't matter. When, you know, a box of paper towels come in, I want them to put the paper towels on the shelf. I want them to make their bed. I want them to do that. They were all running houses before. They know how to do everything. You know, they might be forgetful, but if you're standing with them, they can do it. So, that is the training, you know, I'm constantly giving to my caregivers. Like, I don't care if it's faster that you do it. They're going to do it. What advice do you have for our seniors that are now thinking about different housing options? I know they can read your book, but do you have some overarching uh, statement you'd like to have them think about? Yes, I think that people should plan. Like, I'm 62, but I already had my will and my and my um, wishes written out and my trust and everything. I think you need to plan so you're not leaving your kids in the lurch and also plan so you're at a place that you want to be because if something happens and you get, you get sent to like Maine to be near a kid you don't even like, you know, you, know, you have to choose. I, I say look at places now, eliminate them, pick and choose what you want and where you might want to be when the time comes. So if, if so our listeners choose. would like to learn more about the smaller facilities for seniors, where can we direct them? 
Well, since they're all over the country, your listeners, I would direct them to RAL.com, which is Residential Assisted Living. Dot com and they have like a map on there of where all the residential assisted livings are and pricing and you can get more information. Um, our home is on there, but it's the only one in Connecticut. Um, so they should definitely be looking at, it's called residential assisted living in most states. Got it. And of course, let's repeat the book again, Home to Home, the Step-by-Step Senior Housing Guide. And uh, yes. it's available on Amazon, as you said, correct? Yes, or if you want to get in contact with me, I could send you free coffee happily. Thank you. Oh, interesting. We'll fight, we'll fight each other for it. <laughs> like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.